Well, um, great gathering this morning. We're going we're gonna, to um, continue on in this, uh, this celebration, really, of what is really kind of a, a cool milestone for our community. So um, I realize that some of you have been a part of this group for years, and some of you are maybe like in your second, today was somebody was their second time here, first time here this morning, um, almost every week. And so uh, I want to invite you into this. We want to share a little bit of the story. And really what we're doing is we're pointing this forward uh, with a big bright spotlight. So on Easter Sunday, 2005, which is a long time ago, um, 91 people gathered for the first time at a little school on First Street here in Lincoln for our our Easter gathering, it was our first weekly worship gathering. Um, in, the, in the few months leading up to this, we'd had a Bible study in our home, and then it grew, and we rented some space in a church. Actually, they gave us, they donated space in this other church here in town. And then we tried some preview gatherings, like once a month, we try to like rally everybody to actually do a church kind of worship experience. Um, here's Pam working with our, and Mary Ferris, God bless Mary Ferris, um, working with our kids uh, back at the school on Thursday nights, or at the, at the old church. And, and so we, we spent all this time kind of trying to get ready, and then on Easter Sunday, 2005, which was 700 Sundays ago um, today, we made a big leap of faith, and uh, the leap of faith was to make the commitment to do this every week, which was a big deal for us. I mean, now it kind of happens, it's always an effort, but uh, at that point, it was a big deal, and uh, it was... <laughs> It was a big challenge. In those early days, everybody came early. Everybody was a part of the setup team. Uh, it took the whole crew. Um, and some of us had really little kids. My kids at the time were four and two. And so those of us with really tiny kids, we would bring them and somebody early and somebody would drive a motorhome to church and we would bring the kids in their pajamas and we'd put them in the motorhome and they would be fed like cereal and they'd get dressed and they'd watch The Incredibles as we got ready to, watch, or to, to do church. Yeah, so I started to be a little concerned that maybe they were feeling like this was sort of an inherent, essential part of the Christian curriculum, this, this, this movie. Um, some of us had little kids. Others were um, older, had grown-up kids, but we wanted to do this multi-generational community together. We really valued the interaction of all the generations together. And that first year of worshiping as a church, 96 people came on average to our Sunday gatherings. And, and the funny thing about that is it's about the same size group, 96, that gathered last Sunday night, which was just made up of our middle school and our high school kids and their parents, um, at this back-to-school barbecue that we had in Newcastle last week. So it was this summer, when I was at this monastery in Italy, I'm scoping out the fall preaching plan, trying to decide what direction we might go, and I recognized and realized for the first time that September 7th, today, is going to be our 700th gathering. And, and I found myself kind of like like a young parent, you know, feeling like so proud of, of this experience that we've shared in together. You know when you ask a young parent how old their kid is and you try to guess and you're like, so is she like about a year? And then the, the parent says, no, no, she's 39 weeks. You know that experience? You know what I'm talking about? It's so endearing, isn't it? It's so cute. And I love it when that happens because it, it's reflecting back this, this reality that no, every week has been a gift for us. Every week we've just been so enamored by this, this child. No, she's not almost a year. She's 39 weeks, right? And, and I love that because it underlines just the importance and the significance of each day, right? The, the blessing that every single week is a gift. So I'm numbering this the Sunday... Uh, gatherings for our fall because it's a, our kind of our principal organizational structure there. And I'm like, wow, we are, we are 700 weeks old 
And I just had this sort of weird blend of emotion about it. Because on, on one hand, 700 is this big number, isn't it? I mean, that's a big number. I mean, do anything 700 times. That's significant. That, that you're, apparently, you're apparently taking it seriously if you're doing it 700 times. That, it reveals, in other words, a certain degree of commitment to what it is uh, that's happening. There's a solid demonstration of what matters there if you can do it 700 times. So uh, to put it in terms of, of what it takes to do it, a community, this, this group, we, our, we, the us, we have planned and set up for and opened the doors wide and invited people in 700 times to worship Jesus together. We've handed out Bibles 700 times. The ushers have handed out Bibles 700 times. We've celebrated Holy Communion 700 times together. We've worshiped Jesus through song like we just did 700 times. We've expressed gratitude to God and this bigger picture, this bigger view of, of financial stewardship, which prioritizes sharing some of our money with other people in community. We call it the tithe or an offering. We've done that 700 times. I mean, this is a big deal to me. We're talking about 700 welcomes, right? 700 sermons have been preached. 700 benedictions or blessings have been given. And I think that's significant. It's a big number, 700 weeks. 700 sounds big. So on one hand, it feels like this is a really big deal. And then on the other hand, weeks. I mean, a week is like this nearly insignificant amount of time. At least it feels that way for me. Weeks just fly by so fast. Sometimes I don't even notice them. I've changed my calendar on my phone so that it also indicates the number of the, of the week. Like I think this was the 37th or the 38th week of the year because I need that reminder. They're just flying by so, fa so fast. A week's a pretty short amount of time. I mean, what can you really accomplish in a week? It goes by so quick. It's just a few days. You can almost miss a week and not even notice it. So when I think about something as big as changing a life or, um, or making an impact in the culture or um, walking into a relationship that is meaningful with Jesus, a week feels almost insignificant. Like, what can you get done in, in a week? And when we think about the, the big values and purposes of our church, sharing life, uh, discovering Jesus, restoring all things, these big values that we share, and you, and you hold those big values up against this little segment of time called a week, and you're like, man, how can, you even, how can you even begin to make an inroad into a value that's that big in such a short amount of time? How can you really reasonably talk about life and Jesus and all things in a week? These are huge realities. It's difficult to imagine making any kind of a significant difference in a week, but I want to I help us see that. I want to help us to get our imaginations wrapped around the significance of taking all these little segments of time called weeks and adding them together 100, 200, 300, 700 times. And I needed help to be able to communicate this well, so I've invited some friends to help me. Why don't you guys, you guys, great timing. Come on down the steps, come on up uh, and join me on the platform. Here's some of our Emmaus kids. Would you guys welcome our, uh, our Emmaus kids? All right, so I have invited some, some of our kids up. Our, our nine o'clock gathering is our popular, most popular gathering for our little ones. 
Um, so we have a, a little bit of a smaller group today, so you guys need to encourage them forward. If you want to come up, come on up. And they're going to sing a song, and they're going to, they're going to share a verse. And I want you to look into their faces, and I want you to look at how small their little hands are, and I want you to hear their voices. And um, no, you're great. You guys, thanks. Do we have any? These are all, I think these are all four and five-year-olds. Are you guys all four or five? Mostly? Maybe three? All right. We may, we may, be, down to, uh, we may be down to four here in a, in a real quick minute here, Laura. All right. Good. All right.
Woo! <laughs> All right. Great, great. All right, before these guys go, can I invite a couple, couple other kids up here to join you guys real quick? Just a couple other kids. All right. So this is Madeline Henning and Sienna Oates, and they just turned 18. Um, and when 700 Sundays ago, when we had our very first gathering, these two were this age, right? And that's something that I want to step back and just admire. That's something I want to take in and, and soak up. And, and uh, I think it's remarkable. Um, and it's a beautiful thing. But even more important than recognizing that is this. It's recognizing that 700 weeks from today, these little guys are going to be turning 18 and getting ready to launch out, right? Launch out into the world. And that is such an amazing opportunity for us to be able to be a part of the chaos that is happening uh, right here and, and all that it could be shaped into, right? All right. Thank you guys for joining us up here. We're grateful for you. Thanks for singing. You can follow Neva. Yeah. There we go. Why use stairs? Safety third. Absolutely. Safety third. Good. All right. You got to share something? So I've asked Madeline and Sienna to share just a brief memory from those early days at Emmaus and maybe a comment about why it's significant to them. I'm not sure this is on. Uh, good. You good? Okay. So um, a memory that I wanted to share with you guys from the, when I was that age, it was um, when we were at the, when the church was still at the school on First Street, and we would have to get up really early, and everybody would set up. All the kids would get put into a trailer to hang out in their PJs, because like, we couldn't really help setting it. We are more of a distraction. <laughs> and, and, um, but it was really cool being like there with all the kids, because I've grown up with them, and um, all the adults and everybody at the church was serving. Like, there wasn't anybody who would just get there. Like, everybody was serving, and that was really cool for me, because um, I got a really good model of how to serve in the church. Like, I, it was... Um, a really good teaching moment for me, and yeah. Good. Um, one of my memories uh, that I have was before we were at the Sunday morning stage, um, we were just having kind of a Bible study church at our house, and we would put all the kids outside in tents, and then you'd just like run from tent to tent to hear different stories or sing a song. Um, and I, like, remember that, but kind of vaguely, and I was thinking about it recently, I was like, I must have made that up, like, that's so weird that we, <laughs> I didn't, it didn't make very much sense. So I was talking to my parents about that, and they were like, no, that's what we actually did. Like, those were the classrooms. Like, we just set up camping tents, and then that's what we used. But I think that's so beautiful that it was a priority for um, the parents at that time that we all wanted to be together, and it was still important to, you know, do this as a whole family event. So even if that looked like dinner and a bunch of camping tents in the neighborhood, um, that's what we did. Yeah, thank you. Good job. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, honey. That's good. So 700 Sundays from today, in case you're wondering, it's going to be February 1st, 
2032. All right. So do the math. I figure. All right. So I'll be like 59 and a half, which is scary. Easy there. I was telling an older guy in our Tuesday morning group last week, hey, did you know that in 700 weeks it's going to be the year 2032? And he thought for a second, and he goes, have a nice trip. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like science fiction, doesn't it? I mean, it's like so far out in the future, the 2030s, um, but it's just 700 weeks away. It's just 700 weeks away. And in those 700 weeks, we've got this fantastic opportunity to continue to shape and form these lives of kids. Um, and so many others, right? In 700 weeks, it's going to be all these stories that are going to be told. In 700 weeks, all these prayers that will be prayed, sermons that will be preached, and, and way more important than all, even that stuff, and as important as it is, is the faith is going to be modeled in homes for the next 700 weeks, right? In these critical formative years between 4 and 18, I mean, this is when it matters, right? For many of us who have these kinds of age kids. And for all of us who are interacting with folks in this multi-generational community where there are kids this age all around us. Um, and it's not just for our kids. It's for the kids of this whole area. It's for the kids of this whole region. And it's not just for our homes. It's for the people who are in all kinds of other homes all around us. And homes, homes that aren't even built yet, right? Families that are going to move into places that right now are just wide open spaces um, but that are projected to come into this area really pretty rapidly over the next 700 Sundays. And so today really isn't just about looking back and celebrating the last 700 weeks. It is about that, but it's much more about imagining the good that together we could do as a church community in the next 700 Sundays. So for the, for the next couple minutes, I just, just want to kind of crack the lid on the jar of the next preaching series that we'll get into over the next couple months and I just want to kind of point us into the direction that we're, that we're headed um, from here, all right? Because I believe that this will help us move forward. This theme that we're going to focus on in the next few weeks, I think, is, is the key element in moving forward for the next 700 Sundays. I believe this is what will build, increasingly will build momentum for us. What I'm talking about is embracing stability. Embracing stability. We will remain we will be here. Okay. We will abide. Uh, this is what will, ena will enable us to partner with God in the restoration of all things, including our hearts, including our marriages, including our homes, this church, this town, the surrounding areas. Embracing stability is what will enable us to be faithfully partnering with God in his ongoing work of restoration. This is a massive part of how we're going to make a life-changing difference in homes and cities and this region in the next 700 Sundays. By embracing stability, by staying put in a culture that's just constantly moving, always pinging around like pinball machines, that ball just spattering around all of the time. We need to set a contrast. We need to embody a deeper wisdom. Stability is a big part of what has brought us to this point today. We've just been here for a while, right? And some of the strength that we have is, directly, is a direct result of that simple truth. We've been here for a while. There's simply no way to replace the power of being there. There's no shortcut to 700 weeks, there's no high-speed rail for this journey that we're on. There's no miracle growth for what we're growing. There's only one way to get there. It just takes time. 
And that time is the critical element of it. So stability is a big part of what got us here, and stability is a big part of what's going to get us forward to the future, maybe even 700 more Sundays to 2032. It might sound counterintuitive, but I want to put it like this. Stability is what will move us. Our commitment to stability is what will move us. Stability, in case that's a new word for you, and it probably is, it's relatively new to me. Stability is not stale. Okay? Stability is significant. Uh, stability is not passive, it's powerful. Stability, that sounds like stagnation, said one of my good friends over a quick salad a couple of months ago. And I said, no, no, it's not stagnation. You're misunderstanding what I mean. It's strength. Right? It's strength. So three quick thoughts, um, and these will be some of the major themes that we'll cover in the coming weeks. And I'm just going to touch on them this morning. I want to share a thought about trees, a thought about movement, and a thought about knowing. All right, first, a thought about trees. Here's the first couple lines from David's first psalm. Psalm number one. Begins like this. I'll read the first verses. We'll put the third verse on the screen. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. David is talking about the blessed person. Says they're not the one who walks with sinners, stands, or, or walks with wicked, stands with sinners, and sits with mockers. That's not blessed. This is, verse 2, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. The blessed person is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law day and night. And then David writes this, that person, that person who is blessed is like a tree planted by streams of living water. It's like a tree planted, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And then David makes this observation, whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. So the central image in Scripture around this concept of stability is this image of a tree planted by streams of water. Um, and the, in the Bible, what's, what's happening with this image is that strength is being contrasted with, with brittleness, with fickleness. Or productivity is being contrasted against barrenness. Or a still, calm peace is being contrasted to chaos. This is what's being communicated through this central image of stability, this tree planted. And then when it's applied to a person, the person becomes like the blessed woman or the wise man. They are like trees planted. Their roots go down deep and their fruit goes out wide. And the vulnerable and the hurting find refuge in their stability. Um, they can be respected because they've been there a while. They can be trusted because they've been there for a while. And they provide such an unusual gift to the community, nation, church, that they're actually loved because they've been so stable. You know who I'm talking about, right? You know like the, the family member or the institution, maybe the college, or whatever it was for you, that, that, okay, everything else changed in my life, maybe your family divorced or something, but this person remained stable, and there was a level of, of consistency and strength and calm that I could kind of borrow from when I was close to them. 
Near our home is this grove of oak trees, and some of them are over 200 years old. And sometimes we'll walk through there. There's a little trail. We'll ride our bikes through this little uh, grove of oak trees. And there's a weighty quality to these trees. And the weighty quality is especially um, obvious when you lift up your eyes, and in contrast to the trees, on all three sides of this grove are streets, and cars are just whizzing by. And new construction is happening or slated to happen. And there's this, this contrast between this, like, these, st- these stable trees and the constantly moving culture that we're in. They remind me of like, the old couple that's been married for 50 plus years that walks into a room of maybe young singles who are looking for, for fun and for entertainment and for some excitement. And the old couple, you know, maybe they're a little bent over, maybe they're a little worn around the edges, but... They, there's something between them. There's a contentment there that everybody else is still looking for, right? still searching to find, still trying to get their hands wrapped around this. Right? So we're going to talk about the wisdom of stability in the next couple of weeks, and the images that we'll keep coming back to are living, growing images like trees planted by streams of water, like big trees planted by streams. All right, second thought. I thought about movement. Uh, we're all on this journey of life, and I don't know if you've ever noticed, but almost anytime somebody talks about life, they use movement language, like progressive language, action words, like we're pilgrims on the way, or we're just passing through, or we're rolling down the highway, or she's just cruising through her 20s, or he's over the hill. It's all this movement language, talking about this, this experience called life. And on the surface, this, all this movement can look Totally identical. Like, in other words, if you just watched a couple of random people board a plane, their movements would almost be mirrored. They would do almost the same kind of movement. Or if you saw just a couple of neighbors, different houses, load up their cars and then drive away and go down the road, their essential movements would appear on the surface to be very, very similar. But in fact, and this is one of the themes we'll talk about in the next few weeks, there are two distinct kinds of movement. They're very different from one another. One kind of movement you could call leaving, and another kind of movement you could call being sent. At the core, these are totally different, even though on the surface they may look kind of familiar. One kind of of movement, this leaving kind of movement, is is like aimless wandering. You're not even sure where you're going. This other kind of movement is is much more like walking with a purpose. You know your destination, it's clear, and you're on your way there. This kind of movement is, um, you're kind of meandering around. This other kind of movement is like, more like the movement of a missionary. Like you're on a mission. You know exactly where you're going, right? What is the difference between these two kinds of movement? Well, the meanderer is searching for meaning, and the missionary, she's already found it. That's the core difference underneath the surface. And how has she found it? That's the real question. She's embraced stability. That's how she's found it. She's embraced stability. It is only by staying that you receive the wisdom and the perspective and the insights and the skills and the credibility needed to actually help somebody when you go. Ultimately, that's the message of Jesus, isn't it? It's go. Go into all the world. At the end of his ministry, he commissions his disciples to go into all the world. But he does that after 
They have stayed with him for a long time. They have committed to stability with him for a long time. And the reason there's so much movement in our culture, but so little restoration actually happening, is that the movement in our culture is not rooted in stability. It's not. It's rooted in consumerism. It's rooted in the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. It's rooted in instant gratification. We're like pinballs. The movement in our culture is not typically grounded in stability. In the next 700 Sundays, I hope there's a whole lot of movement out of this community, but I hope it's the second kind of movement, not the kind of movement that happens because people are leaving or because people are like looking for the next spiritual hit or shopping for the next church. I hope it's the kind of movement that is, being, that is characterized by being launched out because we have stayed together. We have grown and developed and become convinced of gifting, and now the only thing we can do with this is launch out into the world. It's a totally different kind of movement. I hope that kind of movement is happening all over the place in the next season um, of, our, of our life together. We're going to be focusing on the value of stability in the next few weeks. Not as an end unto itself, but as the source of movement that matters. Okay? The source of movement that actually makes a difference in the world. So that's a thought about trees and a thought about movement. And then finally, let me, let me just share a quick thought about knowing. It is knowing who you are and knowing why you're going where you're going is what makes you effective when you get there, right? Knowing who you are and why you're going where you're going is what makes you effective when you get there. And that knowing comes from one thing. It comes from stability. It comes from staying somewhere long enough to figure out who you are and why or the reasons for which you should move to this opportunity or to this conversation or to this relationship or this new job. In other words, missionaries bring hope because they know who they are and they know why they're moving. Meanderers are still looking for hope. They're still searching for it. So they're moving constantly, but they're not helping anybody in the process. So the big picture of the church, including the big picture vision for this church, it should be go. Go into all the world, right? Restore broken things. Engage the wounded. Like, let's get engaged with the hurting. Let's go out there and make a difference. But first, stay. The staying has got to come first. The moving has got to be rooted in the staying. For instability, one learns the value and lives out the commitment and practices the skills which are essential in order for your going to count. There's a lot there. Let me say that one more time. Instability, one learns the value oh, wow, this, this really is important. This really is a foundational piece of why this matters. Lives out the commitment, which you can't argue with that, right? Like, you got to live that commitment in order to, and then practices the real hard tip, like practical skills, which make going, in the end, count. Learn to stay. That's the message. Learn to stay so that your going will heal people, not hurt them. A lot of us have been wounded by movement. It's not the kind of movement that has been rooted in stability. It's the kind of movement that has been more characterized by leaving. 
I am ditching this situation. I'm no longer going to hang with this situation. I'm bailing out. We use words like abandonment to refer to movement that looks a lot like other movement, but it's rooted in a completely different source. Friends, there's great wisdom in stability. There's a whole spiritual tradition of stability. We don't talk about it much. It's not sexy. It's not flashy. It's super hard, right? But we're going to lean into this a bit because we're just beginning 700 weeks in to start to recognize, whoa, look at the fruit that has just sort of happened around us. We weren't even aware of it. Weeks are going by so fast, we're not even paying attention. But man, you string a few hundred of those weeks together, and you got people's lives that are being changed. So we're thinking, let's lean into this even more. Let's investigate this even more, and this is absolutely applicable to so many different areas of our life. There is no substitute for staying. For being like a a tree planted for sending down roots and then extending out with fruit. So that's where we're headed. I think it's going to be the fuel for the next season of of restoration, of restorative work. I think it could be the place where we really anchor with 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 a depth and a resoundedness, with like a quality of significance that is unusual because it is rooted in something that is so deep and stable. All right, so this morning after we sing and celebrate communion, we're going to, there's these flowers that we've we've bought, all these violas, and I want to invite you to take a couple of them with you and put them in a pot, put some water on them, put some dirt around them, dig a hole in the backyard, plant a couple flowers. And I just hope that it would be a physical, tangible reminder that what we're dealing with is life here, friends. This is no game. And that together, If we remain faithful to the God who is not going anywhere, the God who will never leave or forsake us, the faithful and stable God, together, friends, we can can grow something beautiful together. We really can. We can grow something that is truly good together. We can be a voice and a source of truth and beauty that is so deeply rooted that it has a long-lasting impact into the future, way more profound and substantive than so many of the counterfeit solutions that are going to be pulling at our kids, at our marriages, at our homes in the next season of life. May we dig deep. May we choose to embrace this, this hard call uh, called stability. May our, may our souls be settled. May our homes be places of contentment and peace. Um, May our interactions with others have this sort of quality about them that is unhurried and unrushed and unscattered and undistracted, but is stable, right? Amen. Let's pray together. God, I want to thank you for the the blessing of a a visual that I need uh, to wake me up to the significance of every week and... um, the blessing of a, of a big number that caused us to sort of pause and go, look what's happened in 700 of these weeks strung together. And so I pray that you'd give us grace to be alert and aware of what could happen in the next 700 weeks, God. May we take it so seriously, um, and may we take it so joyfully, and may we trust in your constancy, your stability with us, your faithfulness to us, 
as we step into the next season of life, and may we partner with you, Lord, and experience the depth of the growth that you have to, um, to give us. In Jesus' name, amen.